0: Today on The Topping Show, San Francisco forces Elon Musk to take the X sign down off the headquarters. Matthew McConaughey blames all gun owners to take responsibility. Disney pulling executives back to try to fix the company. Joe Rogan melts Jim Gaffigan with facts about Trump and January 6th. Trans rugby player puts three women in a hospital in a single game. Trump is beating DeSantis now by 37 points. Walmart to invest $1.4 billion into Flipkart. Barnes Noble wants to be your indie store. Nissan 400Z Nismo now is coming out, but it only has two pedals and barely more horsepower. Birkenstock, Mako Public, and Yellow Trucking Company is shutting down. All of that and much more on The Topping Show. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value add, reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, I see their founder at least twice a day. Gotta say he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me, that, that's a joke. If you're an IT leader or a business owner in any of those you reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Now, going on to the business part of the podcast, you have Walmart investing another $1.4 billion in a flip cart. Now, it looks like they invested that in order to buy out the major investor Tiger Capitals, who has had all of their remaining shares of India's based e-commerce platform, which C-plus for marketing Tiger Capital does sound kind of cool. Of course, there's no affiliation to the cool retro video gaming company Tiger Electronics, presumably, but I digress. Now, it looks like Walmart initially invested in the company back in 2018 when we paid $16 billion for a 77% stake in the company. Now, it looks like in terms of user base, Flipkart announced that last month this user base contained a little bit more than 450 million users, and it looks like its sellers have a little bit over 150 million products across 80-plus categories through its online marketplace. In terms of transactions, it looks like Flipkart's valued at about $35 billion, which is about $3 billion down in valuation from 2021 when the company first sold some shares to Walmart. In terms of global dominance, probably one of the Seems like probably one of those best decisions Walmart's made in the past couple of years. Obviously, uh, I was about to say Canada. They have nothing to do with each other. I'm sure Walmart will invade there just like so you can sell more maple syrup and mooses, uh, uh, supposedly. But in terms of India's market, they're growing exponentially. You have Apple opening their very first a- Apple store in India about three to four weeks ago. Interestingly enough, is certain speculations on you know what it takes to actually get an indep- er, actual Apple-branded store. Prior to that, of course, is one of the largest markets for iPhones, but are third-party sellers it wasn't an Apple owned f- actual physical store there now subsequently they actually had to make some iPhones in the country increase their manufacturing presence a little bit of a quid pro quo as the country and the manufacturers and these companies try to come together for a mutual beneficial agreement. In terms of the growing market more and more people in India started to move up in terms of the classes making more and more money and of course e-commerce is a huge opportunity and globally amazon of course is the dominant e-commerce platform but in other countries there are some bigger rivals you know alibaba famously headquartered over in china being one of the largest most successful e-commerce platforms la- launched by jack mays back in the day so it's very smart of walmart to expand globally and it'll be interesting to see now that they've have a majority in the company what are they going to do with it it'll be interesting to see if they rebrand it from flipkart to walmart or wallcart something to that effect in terms of Keeping up that global branding, so the name is synonymous with commerce. We'll be interested to see. Other interesting retail news, you have Barnes & Noble, they want to be an indie shop. Now, this is coming from CEO James Daunt, who took over the helm back in 2019, and he's actually rolling out a new plan so that each store feels like an independent shop, giving the staff more authority in terms of what they sell, their pricing, their stock, as well as the layouts of the stores themselves. Now, Don's hope is, is that he can cater directly to local communities, make the stores more interesting, and try to compete with the exponentially larger bookstore, Amazon.com, which, yeah, it's hard to find. Even books that are not in print anymore, they actually pop up at Amazon because you have third-party sellers. I just bought a, a book that goes over the inception and the development of Blackberry, partially because I love retail. Oh, I was gonna say that, not so much retail, but that's more technology business. But it was out of print, but it was still on Amazon. Someone was just selling a used copy. And thankfully, there weren't too many stains or anything like that. So it's a pretty good buy. And it's hardcover, so that's also nice as well. But Barnes & Noble does have the advantage of being a physical bookstore in terms of if you need a physical copy of a book, it's right then and there. You don't have to wait you know, 24 hours to a week, or depending on what e-commerce platform package you have with Amazon. So perhaps you're going to try to push that. And if they were... Especially Clever, I would say it would be a good idea to support local actual authors because that's something where presumably the community want to support that author, they want to make you know make sure he has a successful rollout, and that might be a really u- good, unique way to support local community as well. So you're highlighting local talent, and again, I, I'm not charging for this, well, I was, I was about to say this golden advice, perhaps maybe silver advice, because there's a quality of the precious metals. But that'd be a good way to increase the community's investments in the store where are actually helping each other out. Now, it'll be interesting to see how these stores are doing. They're actually planning on opening up 45 stores this year and renovating a bunch of the other ones, which is astronomically fascinating when you consider most other retail stores are struggling, shutting down, going out of business. But of all places, Barnes & Noble are doing pretty good, partially because they're the last bookstore really in terms of brick-and-mortar bookstores, perhaps the most prolific, famous one from my childhood, I remember, that was not a mom-and-pop shop in our community, was Borders. It used to be headquartered in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And kind of think of it as Costco for books. They had a huge variety, but unfortunately, due to a myriad of business blunders, they had to close their stores down, I believe that was during the 2008 recession. But they did not make it. So now, in terms of uh, real bookstores, Barnes & Noble is kind of the default, so they captured the rest of the market share. What remaining that was left. So it'll be interesting to see. It's an interesting rollout, and if they cater more accurately to communities, you know, maybe, you know, in the South you have more Bibles, in the North you have more um, transition books, I guess. So it'll be interesting to see, as they try to cater to communities, will they increase profitability as well as the brand perception. Now, other interesting business news, you have Nissan coming out with the 400Z Nismo Edition, but it'll only have two pedals, also known as boring as hell, useless, automatic transmission, It'll have a 9-speed automatic transmission with paddle flippers. Where you actually just click little paddles on the steering wheel. Similar to a child toy, really. If you think of a child toy where it's a little car, I forget, I think it's, I think it's little tykes that make it. But it's a little plastic car where it has the four wheels, has a steering wheel, I think it, has, it even has a horn. About as amusing as that in many enthusiast minds. If you go on social media, that's about half the comments for all the articles that are coming out about this. When, when the comments are not disabled. It's never, all the purists. All the purists, all the people who really want the driver driving experience, they're all utterly disappointed, and they'll go, why would you come out with the quote-unquote track version, but you would take away that the beautiful, rare experience, that is driving with three pedals, having a stick, and manual transmission. That's what most of the purists, in terms of people actually enjoy driving, that's what they usually look for. Now, in terms of the anemic extra horsepower, you're not getting much. So, total, you're getting 420 horsepower and 38 foot-pounds of torque which for a sports car, that's pretty good. And again, depending on the dynamics of the car, what you're going for, you don't necessarily need a lot of horsepower. The Mazda Miata gets a lot of crap for being a whole horsepower car. There's a lot of jokes about it comes with a free purse, but in terms of enthusiasts in the racing community, they actually have one of the best support networks. Mazda still makes parts for like a '90-'90 Mazda Miata. There's a great support network and because of the balance of the vehicle, the lower cost, it's a great enthusiast vehicle don't necessarily have to have a lot of horsepower i think the disappointing case in this case is that for the nismo is that the increase in horsepower is just abysmally nothing so you're getting in terms of the base nissan uh base nissan 400z going from that to the nismo edition you're getting 20 extra horsepower and 34 more foot-pounds of torque that's as you might as well just put a cold air intake and you're going to get about the same horsepower debatably on which brand you use, but that's such a negligible amount for them not to make it a twin turbo or do something to actually make it worth more in people's eyes, where the value is actually equivalent to the dollar amount. And keep in mind, this brand is also struggling from the dealers screwing everyone over in terms of they're marking these up twice as much where they should be in terms of the manufacturer suggested retail price, also known as the MSRP. That's why I've never seen one on the road. And I'm in one of the hottest markets when it comes to, I would say, sports cars. And granted, I only have Honda personally, but someday I'll get one. Granted, my Honda also has three pedals, so in my opinion, it's actually made infinitely better in terms of the driver's experience than the Nissan 400Z Nismo. My car's got three pedals, and it's green, so kind of cool there. But in terms of the specifications on what additional things you also get, they noted that the model offers a limited search slip differential, bigger wheels, brakes, stiffer suspension, better seats. They also have slightly redesigned bodywork, which is also kind of a marketing fail because half the, maybe one-third of the comments, they're all comparing it to a Hyundai. Because certain angular aspects of it, and then the red lip on the bottom, are reminiscent of style designs that are already incorporated into Hyundai vehicles. So... If anything, they probably should have made it look, look more like the Nissan GTR in terms of if they're borrowing styling from anyone, but for, to demand such a high price for this vehicle, to only get 20 more horsepower, not have three pedals, which to Nissan's credit, they have three pedals in the regular Nissan 400Z. It's an option there, but for the extra premium track edition, they got rid of it, which is one of the competitive advantages to the Nissan 400Z, I would argue. in a, world of ever computerization and automation and automatic transmissions it stood out there's only about 27 cars in north america new they can buy with a stick there's one truck which is debatably it's a light duty truck so it's not a heavy duty truck it's an east no, no, no. I, I digress it's actually the toyota tacoma so there's one truck with the repels they can get in north america the jeep gladiator does not count we've been down this debate track before there's less and less options every year so to have something that It wouldn't cost them anything in terms of that transmission already exists. Just keep the, they could have even charged a premium. Keep the three pedals, just add on all these extra features in terms of the suspension is good. You want that for the track. You want the extra nice bucket seats. All those things would have been great. And I I would argue they could probably charge a premium for that stick shift in the Nismo model. Because with the Nissan GTR Nismo, which is more than expensive in the house, I think it starts at 225k or something astronomical number for the type r xyz banana falcon edition that is also automatic and yes it is great that it's still an internal combustion engine there's a lot of excitement there compared to electric vehicle so it is nice they're still making them that but they really could have stood out from the crowd if you think of really performance cars the last left in terms of having three pedals you got porsche who listens to their consumers thankfully and Aston Martin, which V12 is a stick shift, very unique experience. Great, you know, that's pretty unique too. There's Mustang. You could debate if that's a, a pre, if it's a different category. There's not many left, unfortunately. And it'll be interesting to see, similar to the Toyota Supra, is the overwhelming demand from the consumer going to drive Nissan to make the Nismo or make the 400Z Nismo? in a stick shift. When the Supra first came out, the newest generation, it was automatic only, and the fans were irate. And to, Toyota's credit, they actually worked with BMW and developed a specific stick shift for the new Supra after a couple of years. They listened to the consumer, which is the most important thing you need to be listening to as a business. And that helped bring up and elevate the status of the new Supra and really drive home the enthusiast portion to it as well. So we'll see if Nissan takes a hint or takes a leaf out of Toyota's playbook, which is a moderate pun since Nissan also made a car called the Leaf, but I digress. We shall see what they do. Other interesting business news, you have Birkenstock. They might have an IPO, which I, I don't know anyone who's ever bought those silly things, but I digress. Let's go into the article or talk about it a little bit. It looks like the private equity firm that owns Birkenstock is rumored that they might try to do an initial public offering as soon as September. This is according to a an anonymous source reported over to Bloomberg News. And apparently, it looks like uh, L. Caterton, and they're backed by French fashion powerhouse LVMH or LVMH. I I said that right. Which they own a lot of luxurious brands, and it was reported that they're working on listing that could value the footwear company at more than eight billion dollars, and even as much as ten billion dollars. Which I don't know. I'm highly skeptical of that. Ever since the lockdowns with the government. I believe if you, if you say a specific disease that came out of China, the videos are delisted or blacklisted on YouTube. So it's always fascinating to try to navigate what will or will not get you taken off the internet. Also, it also helps you take the time to like, subscribe, and comment. As cliche as it sounds, it helps the channel grow and develop. In terms of their sales, it looks like they report a huge bump in sales of the Birkenstock shoes or sandals or flip flops, whatever you want to call them, because there are, apparently there are a couple brief cameos in the Barbie movie, which. Again, I don't know how long... Actually, I don't know who to aspire to be anyone in that movie given the actual meat or the actual context of the actual movie if you watch it. or I, I apologize if you had to watch it. But that's a very brief sales bump. If I was analyzing a company to go public, I would not even mention... I, I wouldn't really reference that. Because, again, I don't suspect there's going to be a Barbie trilogy or they're going to roll it out like Star Wars where you print them out like it's on a printing press and just copy-paste. They could. But I don't know if Mattel has an ideal. They're going to have different properties. Mattel has reportedly said they're going to make a Hot Wheels movie and a couple of movies based on their intellectual properties that they own. But I think that's just a quick blip on the radar. I don't really know how much support there is for the, what used to be an iconic brand, at least for certain communities. I, I don't know any men who buy that, so it kind of alienates half the footwear market, if that's what they're going for. But... Again, we've seen a lot, a huge decrease in IPOs. And right now there's a lot of economic uncertainty. You got 40 year hyperinflation, gas is four plus dollars a gallon depending on where you live. How many people really need, I guess those would be considered premium footwear. Personally, I just buy the same shoe. Oh, I buy usually New Balance 990s usually every other year as I wear them out with running a lot. The only, or what used to be, still is the best, I would say made in the USA sporting good shoe. Then I have some cool Hans from like six or seven years ago that I used to work and those just, the soles are still there. But again, they work just fine. I don't need to buy new ones. So i will be interesting to see, do they actually go for an IPO when very few companies are these days? Maybe the market is hungry for, to invest in Birkenstock. I'm a little pessimistic, but that's just me. Now, going over to the culture part of the podcast, you have San Francisco forcing Elon to take down his sign. Now, Elon famously changed Twitter's, the name legally as well as customer facing, to X. Because that's part of his 30-year plan of wanting to have one app to rule them all, one app to guide them, and in the darkness, find them. Wait, that's Lord of the Rings. But I digress. He's, same concept, really. And he changed the logos there. So he has a Twitter headquarters, which, for some, some stupid reason, is still in San Francisco. Which, again, he's trying to make a profitable company. That's going to be much more difficult in San Francisco when you have to pay everyone more, because everyone more, thanks to the government and other, other reasons, the cost of living is astronomical. And also taxes, the local taxes are going to kill you. It's just, he could easily, I think, I I know a couple companies have saved, just going from California to Arizona, they're saving $20 million a year, just in taxes. That's on top of the, that's in addition to the savings you have in terms of cost of living. But nevertheless, it looks like Twitter headquarters, on the very top floor, on the roof of the building, he erected a giant X with very bright lights, which... In terms of marketing it was kind of brilliant because everyone was either angry annoyed or interested in the phenomenon and there were a lot of people drawing contrast to the seinfeld shtick, where jerry seinfeld his neighbor kramer they put on like a sign for a chicken store and it was so red and vibrant it was burning through like going so that even jerry could see it in the hall which is across from michael richards uh, formerly kramer his little door shooting out a little laser of red light through the eye hole and they make a joke like, oh, shouldn't just close your curtains? And Korea's the like, they are, they are closed, even though his old room is light up like a red inferno. So there are a lot of funny jokes about it. It got passed around social media. And apparently they didn't file the permits. And it wasn't erected perfectly. And also, again, there's a couple different sources saying different things. There's some saying that Elon and Twitter actually denied the city to come inspect it. So apparently they took it down because the city is forcing them. Now, culturally speaking, it is fascinating that... San Francisco, they won't prosecute crime. You can, Theft is so rampant, people walk into Walgreens and steal stuff. No one stops them. And they're not prosecuted because the DAs won't prosecute them. And again, they changed the law so that it's basically a misdemeanor, I believe. It's, it's under $950 of value. So it's just thrown out. The DAs don't prosecute it. So they won't prosecute theft. They won't prosecute any homelessness in terms of helping them out, finding a better place for them to live, giving them the mental health they need. They don't do that. They don't prosecute vandalism in any kind. They don't prosecute drug use in any kind when you have hard drugs being used rapidly throughout the city. They don't prosecute people taking dumps in the street. And I don't mean that metaphorically, although metaphorically some may compare it to a toilet. I wouldn't be that hard. Well, perhaps. But there are so many people defecating in the streets of San Francisco. They developed an app for your phone called the Crap App or the Poop App where it will give you an interactive map of San Francisco. It'll tell you where people have defecated in the city so you can try to avoid it. And the whole city, of course, if you look at your phone, is brown because it mostly is shit. So they won't prosecute that, but they actually take time to go after Elon for a sign on a roof. Culturally speaking, is fascinating to see what San Francisco values, and I say values in quotes because I, I'm very pet. It's fascinating to see what they really don't value. And businesses, again, are leaving in droves. And I did a little poll on LinkedIn and now 50 people have voted thus far and 2,000 people have viewed it thus far. I had the question of on LinkedIn, what do you think San Francisco should focus on first? One, Elon sign. Two, rampant theft. Three, rampant drug use. Four, businesses leaving in droves. And thus far, again, it's, it's fluid. It's about 40% said focus on your businesses that are leaving in droves. and was relocating to San Francisco. They said, Drugs, so that's another 20%, so at 40, 50, 60. You had another 20% for the, the drugs, the burglaries, the break-ins, the crime, the theft. That's another 20%. So that's 40, 50, 60, 70, 80. Then 40, 50, 60, 70, 80. And least 20% on Elon. And it's changing as we go on. But again, it's a fluid thing, but you should focus on the things that actually matter and not a bright, annoying sign on the top of a roof. That shows their tri- priorities in the city of San Francisco, which is reason nine million nine hundred five. No, I was gonna say nine billionth nine hundred ninety-five million seventy-five thousand seven hundred fifty-nine thousand four hundred twenty-eight and seven reason to relocate your business out of the city because they don't care about the right things. But it's also their culture. It's what they choose. It's what they reinforce. It's their city. Now, other interesting cultural news: you, you have Matthew McConaughey. Blaming all gun owners and telling them to take responsibility, quote-unquote. Now, this is after the Valdi incident, and let's listen to him. And I do apologize, it's Matthew McConaughey, so his voice is insufferable to many. But he has this little shtick, he actually goes on an interview, so we're going to break down a little bit. And basically, tell you exactly why he's wrong in pretty much every way.
1: On June 25th, 2022, the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act was signed into law following the Robb Elementary School tragedy in my hometown, of e. valley Texas. Now, part of this bill sets aside billions of dollars to make American schools safer. Problem is, not enough school districts that need these grants know how to apply for them. And for those that do, there's a complex and expensive process. But now...
0: Another failed by the public sector. Why is it complex to apply for something?
1: we have a solution.
0: Oh, you do?
2: Matthew McConaughey announcing the new Green Lights Grant initiative for the White House and school safety initiative the massacre last year at rob elementary school in his hometown of uvalde texas
0: so this is him on abc news which still exists somehow another thing disney should sell because disney is crumbling and needing cash
2: i remember watching you at the white house I- i've seen a lot of celebrities come to the white house on various causes but i've never
0: and i've never seen someone who's pre- who just has the look of someone who's perpetually inebriated under illegal substances and he also looks homeless at the same time and yet he's worth millions of dollars but he does have exceptional talent for saying the word all right. Very important.
2: I've seen somebody do quite what you did when you stood at that podium just after the, the massacre at Robb Elementary. It spoke from the heart.
1: Mm. May they were green? He's
0: actually clean-shaven, I'll be damned.
1: High-top converse with a heart she had hand-drawn on the right toe because they represented her love... Of nature. Camilla's got these shoes. Wore these every day. Green Converse.
0: Now, you notice this a lot with anti gunners and most politicians in general don't use logic or reason, use emotional rhetoric to appeal to people because they don't think enough, apparently.
1: With a heart on the right toe. These are the same green Converse on her feet that turned out to be the only clear evidence that could identify her after the shooting.
0: I don't know how he sounds dumber every time he accentuates some of his language. He's trying to sound smart. He's at the White House, although the bar for sounding smart. The White House is very low. It's basically buried in the ground. But.
2: How about that, I mean, this was something that obviously hit you really hard. Hit all of us hard, but really hit you.
1: Yeah, it did. It, you know.
0: Ah, uh, good old YouTube commercials. But, yeah, let's see what Elsie will say.
1: It happened in my hometown. The families invited us in to come. The families started to invite us into places and and, 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 and hardships that they were going through. They were inviting us in. We had families invite us in to come.
0: He's back to look, looking homeless. So it kind of like, almost looks like Tom Hanks on Castaway.
1: For the first viewing of the child.
0: That's messed up. What ca- As a parent, you lose a kid, and your first thought is, Matthew McConaughey, I want you to see my child. What? I don't know if it's because Americans worship celebrities beyond logic and reason, but to have him be present at a funeral?
1: And that to us felt like we were trespassing, but the the mother and father going, no, please come in. So all of a sudden we were down there and then Camilla um, got really close and ingrained with quite a few of the, the families and the mothers in particular. And when we left there, the, the consensus was, can you help make their, their lives matter? Yeah. So that led to us ending up in, in, in D.C. And, uh, um, and then the president asked me if I would speak uh, at a press conference there. And i um, sure as hell I'm going to say no to that. That was over a year ago. Yes. I
2: remember what you said. You said that there's a window to get something done. Right. And something was done, you know, bipartisan. You know, 30s, two days later. yeah. But now we're over...
0: Another thing you see with the most morally vacuous people who want to take away your rights, they want to move quick, get things done, and utilize the emotional rhetoric behind incidents to strip away your rights. Now, the, the founding fathers, which I know they don't even teach who the heck they are in public schools in many cases these days, but they designed Washington for gridlock partially for this reason, so that we're not, we are not, you don't have mob rule
2: a year past yep. that and you're trying to make sure that that's actually working
1: right what, what i'm trying to do my wife and i've started this green lights grant initiative to it's a follow through right, the first bill was passed to safety schools in 30 years yeah. that's the bipartisan safe communities act yeah. it's got uh, all these grants that can help secure schools physically it's also for mental health counseling for the for the kids in these schools it, it's the first time it's happened Bipartisans come together. It's there. Was, and it's already working in some ways. But
0: in some ways. there's
1: billions of dollars that are still left to be spent.
2: I mean, it's, it's follow-through you don't often see. So this passed over a year ago. Yes. And billions of dollars for school safety. Great. That's awesome. And then you find out, you come along now, a year later, and the money hasn't gone out yet. Well, Most of it hasn't.
1: Look, let me give you some numbers here. Congressman Gonzalez comes to me um, about three months after you allocated. And it says, Matthew, Camilla, um, 119 schools, 112 applications, zero awards. What, what, what are we doing? The math, the, the, that math does not add That's a zero success rate.
0: That math does add up if you're maybe on the budgetary commission for the city of San Francisco. Well, political burn.
1: One, way too few, few applications. Number two, the 12 applications, we went 0 for 12. Yeah, in the districts right there where Uvalde just happened, so that's when we started. Camille and I started researching the country, and going, is this? I doubt this is just a problem down in South Texas. We know it's a problem all over, all over America. You got fourteen thousand something schools. This grant initiative, the Green Lines grant initiative, is going to connect those districts to those billions of dollars. That's there, yeah. available, and wants to be uh, used. To, I mean, to, it, to make It
2: suggests there's something wrong
1: with the system. If if you pass. And they admit this, it's it though. Yet. The government admits yeah. that
2: it shouldn't be this, this complicated. You said something else uh, at the White House. You said that the middle ground is where most Americans are. Yeah. On, on this issue. I
0: mm, don't know about that. But this is where it starts to get really interesting in terms of the BS meter should be. The needle has gone so much when he talks. It is broken off the actual reader. But let's continue to dive in.
2: The guns. Yes. In. I think you're right, but I've also been following the gun issue for years, after tragedy after tragedy, yeah. and nothing gets done no. on, on the gun side of it. So it's part of the issue, the way, the, the way it's framed, because it does freak out a lot of people that consider themselves strong Second Amendment. Sure. They think any, any measure is a measure towards confiscating sure. all guns. So it is. how do you speak to those people? I think that's kind of what you were doing. Uh, well, House. one
1: of the things, it was, it was a, just one word. Yeah, I went in there and flipped, seeing to get those hard Second Amendment right. uh, defenders' ears to at least listen, yeah. and that was I changed the word from control to responsibility. Right. The hate gun. Guns.
0: Ironically, coming from the man who represents zero responsibility, and politically speaking, there are some people who completely abdicate political responsibility or any responsibility because they think the government should do everything. Control.
1: Well, control sounds like a mandate. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants the mandate. No one wants to be controlled, but responsibility.
0: So he's putting lipstick on a pig. So he knows people don't like the substance, but if they put a little lipstick on, kind of like because if he was to shave in this as he looks like a castaway, more people would be open to the idea. No, you're just clearly trying to obfuscate the truth. You're trying to pretty much deceive people, which actors usually do best.
1: still something that, we can all go, yeah, I'll take responsibility. Yeah, and a lot of the, 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 the far right or the Republicans, they almost feel like responsibility is a value that they have ownership of.
0: He and looks like a crack addict.
1: And it. It's a sense, of, a sense of almost pride and honor to be responsible. So when, it, when the narrative got changed and the questions and started calling gun responsibility, a lot more conversations I even noticed in the few days that we were there were able to be had from both sides because the Second Amendment defenders could talk responsibility. They could look you in the eye and talk responsibility with someone from the other side of the aisle. I mean, some of the issues that you specifically have talked about: universal
2: background checks, raising the <laughs> age
0: for. Oh, and here's where the the real substance. I was gonna say the meatly issue, but Matthew McConaughey is probably some vegan, plant-based soy diet that'll kill you. But the substance comes. So now they're saying a universal background check, which is a de facto gun registry, which is illegal federally also immoral and historically the worst thing to ever happen in terms of personal freedoms and liberties if you read a history book which i know most of them in public schools have a precipitous amount of dust on them because they actually don't teach them in many cases gun registration is the first step to confiscation when that happens the worst events in humanity history happen because guess who never gets out the guns governments and governments have considered have performed more atrocities than any individual in history ever purchasing of, of a... Increasing the age to purchase something is also morally vacuous. You have someone who is young enough to die for his country. So in 18, you could vote, you could die for your country, but you can't... They, they want to make it so you can't buy a gun? You already have that disgusting thing about a federal level you can't buy a handgun if you're 18. You could buy a shotgun or a rifle, and you could die for your country, but you can't buy a pistol? Again, in terms of consistency, it would be nice if the government actually had a actual equal stance in terms of if you get all your rights at 18 or all your rights at 21 or 26. A little consistency would be key although that's exactly what the government is worst at.
2: Assault rifles, national red flag raw.
0: Assault rifles is again their scary word that they used because they had an analyst survey a bunch of people and ask what's the scariest looking gun and what's the scariest sounding gun? Well, the black AR-15 and the word assault rifle scared people who don't know anything about guns because it looks like a military weapon, even though it was originally designed, ironically in California, for civilian use. Red flag laws are also known as un-American because they take away your due process. They first take your guns without any evidence, and then it's up to you to spend money to go to court and defend yourself and prove that you're in fact not guilty. It's theft.
2: Laws, a waiting period a longer waiting period uh, for assault.
0: Now, one of my favorite use cases is perhaps the city of Chicago and in the state of Illinois, where most of these laws already exist in that state. But, of course, they have... It's known as Chirac, pejoratively, during the last period in which the United States was spending some time in Iraq and Afghanistan, because every day in Chicago, more citizens died than U.S. troops overseas, which gives you a good idea of how violent that city is. They already have a background, they already have all these rules in Illinois. You need to have a license just to buy ammunition in Illinois. It's the same background check, they just say, want you to jump through more hoops to make it prohibitive to more gun owners. They want to discourage it as much as possible. They already have a 72-hour waiting period for Illinois for handguns. Has that changed? Has that made L- Illinois safe in any way? Has, have they had a modicum of success? No, of course not. It's a cultural issue, but no one wants to talk about that. They want to, pre- they want to put the band-aid on the cut, they don't actually want to put... They want to address, their, well, address the symptom, not the core cause, which is cultural.
2: Oh, yeah.
3: Take a deep breath.
0: Ah, the commercials. Subliminally, YouTube knows this is a hot topic. So they want to have more commercials to calm us down. Although, ironically, it's actually for some type of financial service. Interestingly enough, something I have no need for.
2: Does it have widespread approval yeah. among the American public.
0: 87 percent. Bullshit. That is, maybe he's extra high today, but no, that comes from a very specific poll with a very small sample size of under 1,100 users. Ridiculous.
2: I mean, if you look, at a Fox News poll just earlier this year. Universal background checks, 87 percent.
0: People don't understand what that means, and they don't understand the negative consequences when they are surveyed. Also, keep in mind, a majority of guns already have that in terms of you go to a gun store a gun store has a hey have an ffl a federal firearms license every one of their transactions for a firearm has to have a 4473 paperwork it's a federal document can think of it as a job application to buy a gun if you all lie on it or i lie on it it's 15 years in prison if hunter biden does it he got off scot-free which again shows the hypocrisy of washington they won't prosecute someone just based on political affiliations but they want more laws to prosecute the people they don't the people they don't like, basically. Uh,
2: yeah. uh allowing police to take away guns from uh, people who have been shown to be a threat, eighty percent.
0: How do they know how do they how do they decide that? People who 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 gets to determine people who show a threat? What's your definition of a threat? In Michigan they actually just passed a law, oh they passed it through the Senate or the House, I believe they asked for the Senate. They're saying if you misgender someone, that's a felony and ten thousand dollar fine because they consider it a threat just misgendering someone. So I always one of the reasons I'm always especially pessimistic when it comes to any laws around guns is because who's deciding these definitions? Because they could use it as a weapon against you.
2: Raising the minimum wage, 81%, waiting period, 70s. I mean, it's very rare you see any political issues with that much agreement.
0: Because they're not real polls. If the numbers are really that case, politicians who are inherently selfish to do what's best for them if their constituencies were demanding this, they would presumably pass these laws. Now, thankfully, the Supreme Court would most likely n- strike them all down as unconstitutional as they are. But just inherently, just common logic, that would seem to make sense in terms of if the, if the polls are real, then politicians would presumably do that. Because they want to preserve their jobs to be working in Washington for more time than most people are alive.
2: And yet none of those things have been done. It's an it's, it's a
1: interesting that about the populace
0: because it's uh, not true yeah
1: almost near unanimous i mean the populace vote is there and how
0: it says the populace vote is there even if it was that doesn't mean it should be passed the founding fathers again i, I know we're not taught what the founding fathers are these days unfortunately in many public schools but they didn't want mob rule and just think of it from a moral perspective what if the whole society wanted to decide something that was morally vacuous they want to pass a new law that doesn't mean they should pass it it should be always the Constitution that prays precedent over that, and the Bill of don't Rights.
1: do the sides and the contingencies have, they're bunkered into their 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 their, their sides on this, and I don't know how the law works, but that was a question I had. Wait, can there be a populist vote on this, an uprising that says, look, you're not <laughs> representing the the, the the masses. The law is not representing the masses. Um, that math, you may know more about this than I do, that math should be, Add up, and right now it
2: doesn't. Do, do you have advice to particularly Democrats on this issue? Who, the minute they speak about gun control, yes. I mean, you, see, you mentioned one thing: get rid of the word gun control. Right. But he-
0: so lie to them. It's the same context, but just lie with a different terminology. That that'll make people trust you.
2: Even without that, do you, do you have any advice on how they can speak? Quit patronizing. There's
1: a there's a whole lot of Americans that need you to at least meet them where they are and what
0: now in terms of what they say a clock is a broken clock is right twice a day although i always wonder that means the clock has to be frozen in terms of clock the hands don't move and then eventually be right but if it's on the wrong pace they've never but i digress it's one of those things where yes this would be true but it's never authentic you hear this for a lot from politicians they go well we want to talk about the issues but it's a thinly veiled lie just to get two sentences out before they push their propaganda and they push the same legislation that they've had on their desk for decades. You saw this with Diane Feinstein, someone who's been in Congress for, I think, long, longer than I can even remember. She doesn't. She is beyond any cognitive ability. She doesn't even know she's in Congress. She was interviewed walking out one day. She goes, did I vote on that? And when asked why she was out, you know, she's gone for, I believe, 90 days, So when asked her, how, how, how was your little mini vacation in health recovery? She didn't remember she was gone. But I I think she's a particularly morally vacuous because one, she lies, she says, this little bill, this will prevent all bad things from happening. It is there's another assault weapons ban, which again, would do nothing. But she literally had it in her desk and she just takes it out strategically at these times when people can be emotionally manipulated, which I find that morally vacuous and disgusting.
1: What their understanding and then what, how they've grown up on this issue, with guns in the, in in their lives and and how they most of them do handle them responsibly, mm-hmm. so don't cast them down as being archaic or cavemen and women. And how could you? No. Yeah. Listen to them for a minute. And when you're coming in hot, which sometimes the left does, on this issue and many others. Sometimes, well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's an immediate.
0: It is kind of funny to see the ABC reporter almost. He's so hesitant to say anything bad about, pejoratively, about the, on the left. He's like, eh, sometimes, like, he doesn't want to admit that at all.
1: He's saying, you idiot. You dumbass. What?
0: How? In terms of, you know, political affiliations, I always tell people, the left, yeah, he's right, the left coming in hot on a lot, a lot of things. What does the right actually do in terms of they come in hot on a topic? They, they, most of the time, they just sit there. It'd be nice if they did something for people.
1: I fool, it. You've lost him. You've lost them. Get, they get more defensive. All right, so come in and meet them, where, meet them where they are and try to hear where they're coming from first and, and understand that it's it's they have a viable stance, a viable position they're taking that they didn't just come up with last night. I've heard you
2: say that we're not as deeply divided as we're told we are.
1: No.
0: All right, depends on the issues.
1: Look at the percentages we just talked about.
0: 86%. Nope. Again, always ask yourself when you hear any poll, for the love of God, always ask and think what is the sample size? Was it 100 people out in Austin, Texas, where Mac McConaughey lives? Well, yeah, the 99 of them are going to say, let's just ban all guns. That's a very specific geographic location. It's not a very diverse populace in terms of political affiliations. You're going to have a biased result from that.
1: Oh, but the two on the. I was talking with my wife about this yesterday. It's human nature. You don't slow to, you know, you don't slow down to 35 miles an hour on the interstate because everyone's looking at the daisies in the rainbow in the in the in the field yeah. to the right. Now you slow down to 35 on the interstate going northbound because everyone's slowing down to look at the car wreck on the southbound <laughs> traffic on the other side. We love the wreck. Yeah. We love it's it it's, it's yeah. entertainment. We love we don't put our finger on we don't love to watch health as much as we like to watch disease. These two extremes have the microphone. Yeah. It's more entertaining.
0: It's almost done, I promise. Trump's
1: been great. It's selling fear. Fear sells.
0: Trump? That's every politician since the dun- I would say probably the past forty years, that's all they sell. Or hope and change, which politically speaking, from marketing perspective, brilliant. How much has changed? Debatable.
2: More than hope. C- could you see yourself running?
1: For something good, I see it's, it's, it's
0: Austin would elect him in a second. He's famous and he's very left. So, in terms of the city council or city, in terms of local government, absolutely he has a good chance. The real question is what larger position? More of
1: a larger question for me of, is, is politics the category where I can be the most useful? Or can you do more outside, like what you're well, doing? Well, that's here? a good there's a great question that I'm still answering. And as of right now, to be a private citizen with my wife and to come up with an idea like the Green Line's Grant initiative to work with the government publicly to help them, not doing their job for them, helping them pull off what they set out to do in the first place. There is argument that that's more useful than what I'm doing right now in a small way. Mm -hmm. Um, but But to do the kind of big change. Yeah, well, to do the big change, right? I mean. I'd have to be convinced that that's a category that I'd be could be quite useful in, so, and uh, so it's something that I that I that I think about all the time. You do, yeah. Was well, I mean, starting as 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 the man I am, yep. as a concerned father, yeah, as as a husband, as a, as a as a person who believes in people, mm-hmm. as a Texan, as an American who's like, man, come on,
0: debatable Texan. Come
1: on, mm-hmm. I believe in. I believe in us. A refreshing.
0: That was in terms of where he belongs, probably in a mediocre movie saying, all right, all right, all right. Which, to have gotten paid so many millions of dollars, there's actually a website that goes over and they calculated, every time he says that, he makes, a, I believe it was like 130 grand or some astronomical high, high amount of money. Although, politically speaking, he could probably run on just like a campaign, a big post that says, it's not all right, all right, all right. Something, something to that effect, and he'd probably get a bunch of of people would probably vote for him but yet again a perfect example of the disconnect between hollywood and reality and also try to manipulate everyone by putting lipstick on a pig or in this or in this case perhaps a shave on a drug addict but might digress now other interesting culture news you have disney pulling execs back to the company as they continue to crater and struggle losing about 910 million dollars on movies yeah Bob Iger needs a little bit of help. So Bob Iger built the company in terms of he was the CEO from 2005 to 2020. Made some good acquisitions from a business perspective, buying out both Marvel as well as Lucas Films. Lucas Films being you know, the parent of Star Wars and that cult- cultural phenomenon. And it looks like now that he's back, take over from the inept Bob Chapek, who used to be his protege. Bob Chapek took over in 2020 and made a a out of business blunders, including rising, increasing the price of the tickets, decreasing the amount of benefits for the annual share pass holders, making more politically charged movies. Um, the whole docu-series could be based on the business blunders of Bob Chapek. However, they brought back Bob Iger, claiming he would get out of politics. He didn't. And tried to turn the company around. Now, it looks like he's tapped two gentlemen on the shoulders to bring back into his fold, bringing back both Tom Stags and Kevin Mayer, who looks like Tom Staggs is the current CEO of Candle Media, and they will be brought back, quote, they will assist ESPN chairman Jimmy Patrio on developing and analyzing partners for the business. Now, it looks like Stagg was Disney's chief financial officer and chief operating officer under Iger, and Mayer was chief strategy officer before leading Disney's direct-to-consumer segment, including streaming. And they are both actually, in lined up as possible, replacements, replacements for Bob Iger to become the CEO, but they actually went over to Bob Chapek. So it's interesting enough, they got passed over for a once a lifetime position and they got passed over for someone who is business-wise a moron or a nicer way of saying that would just be completely oblivious to what the consumer wants. And it's interesting that they're actually coming back. So they definitely need to right the ship, so to say. And in terms of helping ESPN, they're in trouble too because again, they got involved in politics and people want to turn to ESPN to watch sports balls being thrown, not being patronized and you know just talked down to. So, ESPN is actually begging, I mean, courting you know Major League Baseball, they also courting, believe, the NFL, the NBA, and other sporting leagues to see if they might want to invest or some kind of come together to have a mutual beneficial agreement when those sports franchises already have successful track records of selling the broadcasting rights to more successful outlets. Broadcasting rights being one of the most premium, expensive, important things about a sporting team. Because, of course, when you have the broadcasting rights, that's where you get money off the advertisers and all that kind of good stuff. So there's a lot of benefits to it, obviously, of course. But I don't know if they'll be able to bring back ESPN into the folds. It'll be interesting to see. Bob, Bob needs a lot of help, and we'll see what the if he can maybe build a dream team to... ...do the impossible, which is right the ship and pull them back up for the brink of... ...perhaps becoming culturally irrevel, irrelevant, as more and more of their movies alienate the people who used to love the franchises... ...and who used to love the intellectual property, and a lot of people are just going elsewhere. We shall see. Other interesting cultural news, you have Joe Rogan melting Jim Gaffigan with facts and logic... ...about Trump and January 6th. Now, Jim Gaffigan used to be a moderately successful comedian... But then, the, the improbable happened. Trump became president, and his, melt, his brain just melted into nothing. His brain is broken. He now spends most of his life, stand-up and out of stand-up, just perpetually crying and complaining about Trump, which is a fascinating phenomenon. You d- I never saw that with Bush or any other politicians, where the other side would get so get, become so illogical and just focused on that person, blaming them for perpetually everything, including the weather. And... It's fascinating to see Joe Rogan come out and they're having the interview and just completely. I'm surprised Jimmy did I'm surprised Jim didn't cry. So this is the first part where Joe's with him.
3: The, uh, I think the January
4: sixth thing is pretty bad. Well, the January sixth thing is bad, but also the intelligence agencies were involved in provoking people to go into the Capitol building. That's a fact.
3: You so wait a minute. You're you're saying that that guy. What's his name?
4: Ray Epps. Yeah, you really think that he? I don't was... know. I don't know, but I do know that I think every that's pretty other parent. I think he's going to sue Fox. I think every other person who was involved in January six, who was involved in coordinating uh, a break in into the Capitol and in instigating people breaking, they were all arrested. This guy wasn't. Not only that, they were defending him in the New York Times, the Washington Post, those different things, because saying that Fox News is up.
0: There are also many instances where I actually heard, you had protesters by the gates, and they had people here, Ray Epps, egg people on saying, hey, do it, do it, do it, which, historically speaking, the government has done many morally vacuous things similar to that where they push people to the brink of breaking, and then when they do, they arrest them and say they're successful, they did something good for society. So it wouldn't be the first time they did it
4: unjustly accused him of instigating well he clearly instigated he did it on camera i don't know if he was a fed i know a lot of people think he was a fed the people that were there were calling him a fed what i do know is when they asked the fbi the fbi said we can't tell you whether or not there were people that were there that were
0: and you can always trust them always
4: doing that now there's been reports that there's hundreds of agents that were there that were doing that i don't know if that's true either But I do know that they do use agent provocateurs to disrupt peaceful protests. It's a a common tactic. What they do is say if there's a, um, like the World Trade Organization is a great example. That was in, I think the 90s in Seattle. And so what they did was they were protesting the World Trade Organization, they were doing it peacefully, it was a big problem. So what they did is they sent in, allegedly, agent provocateurs, they started smashing buildings and lighting things on fire. Now it's not a peaceful protest, now they could bring in the police. Now they can start yeah. arresting people, and then they created a no protest zone, where literally if you had a pin on your jacket that was the WTO with a red line through it, they would not let you cross. You could not cross with a pin that was against the WTO and, and go to work. There was a no-protest zone. In America. So they, they, they silenced protest, which is right. a part of our freedom of speech. So this is a tactic that some government agencies use okay. Okay. to stop okay. but, but peaceful wait a minute. All right. So
3: what you're saying is on January 6th that uh, this event that obviously Trump organized... Forget about the Giuliani stuff and
0: the... Now, uh, Trump has done a lot of things in terms of the organization. If you look at his speech just minutes before everything went down, he was telling people to peacefully protest, which is also a double standard in terms of never, ever, ever does when political figures on the left, when they talk about anything emotionally, politically charged, even when they have actually people probably in violence, no one ever goes after those political people. It's a very interesting phenomenon. It's only with Trump.
3: Yeah. You know, whether they thought that it was... He definitely stolen.
4: encouraged people to protest.
3: Yes. But, all right, so you're saying that, like, the the FBI and Nancy Pelosi... And, and I'm, I'm, I'm not saying to, Nancy Pelosi. No, no, but, like, you're saying that, like, they're like, you know, we'll make this, uh, instead of uh, an awkward protest, we'll encourage it so that it'll be... It'll backfire on Trump rather than being this rough.
0: trump is also not in charge of that security again i've read different reports and i know some people are saying wondering didn't nancy pelosi have kind of jurisdiction over that area and didn't she deny requests for increased capital police so there are a lot of interesting contradictory stories here
3: rising of people that uh, believe that there was election corruption i think it's certainly i think that would be hard you think it's possible i think it's possible you don't think it's wait a minute you think it's hard to do i think that you know that the fbi or the cia saying hey you know trump lost this election because here's what you're kind of implying trump lost the election he is such a uh, an amazing communicator and he's convinced this loyal base that there was election interference. We don't want them to protest. How we can end this is if we encourage people to go beyond protesting to essentially go into the Capitol and take a shit in the hallway. I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit. Yeah. But like, I don't see why that would be...
0: It's ridiculous. No one crapped in the hallway there. That's what they do in San Francisco. There's a time and place for everything
3: of use like i'm more suspicious why trump didn't call for backup when you know or you know for uh the for the capitol police you know what i mean it's like there would
0: was... trying to think of a good analogy to my understanding that'd be if someone is throwing beer cans on my neighbor's lawn or not even my neighbor's lawn let's say two blocks down the road there's someone throwing beer cans on someone's lawn and there's someone sitting on the lawn with a lawn chair who doesn't there and then blaming me because I didn't call the police for that. Like, what? That's not that's not my jurisdiction. That's that's nothing to do with my yard.
3: Was, and or, that,
0: or more accurately the rental yard. But
3: like Michael Flynn's brother was. You know, what I mean, like there's there's way more conspiracy stuff against Trump and you know than I think the the slim likelihood that people were like, oh, Trump's a problem, let's just get these people that are loyal to Trump to run into the Capitol so that we can arrest 300 people. Does that make sense? No.
4: No, it doesn't no. make sense. No, I think it's a standard tactic,
0: especially... Jim's face is almost like a... Can't try to think of an adolescent girl who's just upset all the time, like, ugh.
4: When someone is the enemy of the intelligence agencies, with Trump, that's absolutely the case. Trump set himself up against the intelligence agencies. He did it openly and he did it brazenly. And I'll, I'll... I
0: I'm actually surprised at GFK to be honest.
4: A lot of people think it's very dangerous. Like, the intelligence agencies are very important. You know, you want to find out what's going on in other countries. You want to find out what the threats to America are. You want to find out what terrorist activities are going to be taking place and stop them before. And,
3: you know, JFK you, had his problem with the intelligence yeah, agencies. Yeah, well, well,
4: yeah. I mean, look, it's unchecked power, right? It's That's the deep state. It's unchecked power. And I think Trump was very open about his disdain for the intelligence agencies. He created enemies in the intelligence agencies. It's standard for intelligence agencies in this country to encourage agent provocateurs or to employ agent provocateurs. And so
3: you're saying when he was in Helsinki and he was saying, I believe Putin more than my intelligence community, that was something the intelligence community was like, we're going to get him.
4: Well, I think they... We're going to get him in any way that they could because he's an enemy of the intelligence agencies and he was openly Talking about
0: that must be an interesting poll in the United States. Who do people trust more Putin or us? Who do, who do people trust? Putin a foreign leader who has a lot, of, a lot of stuff in the closet or do they believe the US-based intelligence agencies who also have a lot of stuff in the closet?
4: about them being incompetent and being corrupt and he you know he fired Comey and you know he was against the FBI and you know look it's a very dangerous thing you talk to people that are in intelligence agencies like it's a very dangerous thing for a president to be at war with the intelligence agencies and to do it so publicly and I think it's with without a doubt when you have a gigantic massive protest that a lot of people think is a threat to democracy you have these people they're saying the election was rigged and they're on the capitol lawn they're screaming and yelling i don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that they would encourage people to do things that were unlawful and instead of peacefully protesting which is what everybody was doing on the outside which is totally legal to take that and escalate it to entering into the Capitol. Now you can lock things down and now you have real clear evidence that this president is responsible for this insurrection attempt and this is dangerous.
0: Which was 110% the message we heard during the midterms. That was all we heard about was this specific incident. So it's not a real possibility that it was done because it's extremely politically beneficial
4: is a threat to our democracy and he's never going to be president again we're going to indict him we're going to go after him we're going to do all these different things i think it's not it's not like it's there's a lot of shenanigans going on on both sides it's not like a clear cut like he shouldn't have done that and they should have done this it's like there's a lot of fuckery and there's a lot that's been going on throughout history whenever people have unchecked power and unchecked influence and they have and they have enemies and Trump was their enemy.
0: Extremely articulate and precise and true. Now, this next clip is, oddly enough, we won't watch the whole thing, but again, it's another highlight from the interview where Mr. Gafkin just melts down and completely out of left field just goes, oh yeah, Trump. So it's highly entertaining.
1: There... <laughs> the Joe Rogan experience.
3: Why isn't there this groundswell i mean outside of the obvious thing of f- financial interests of major corporations corrupting our political system but like why is there not kind of people
4: saying this is insane because of the financial issue it's 100%. it's 100 because and
0: this is talking about the issue of saying breaking freed getting off scot-free for some of the allegations with the united states he donated about 40 million dollars to politicians and Someone thought that was a corrupt thing since obviously you stole the money, but those charges were dropped because of the extradition spent in part with the Bahamas, which is fascinating to see which policies, foreign policies and rules that the government, U.S. chooses to follow and when they follow or not to.
4: Because they've co-opted the media and they, the media doesn't report on all these things. You know, the media doesn't report on so many things that are bad for you because it's bad for their interests. Well, let me ask you this, and we'll be right
0: back
3: to the Jim Gaffigan show in a
2: minute.
3: I'm here with uh, Joseph Reagan? Rogan. No, let me ask
0: D minus for a joke. Again, I'm by no means a comedian, but just to make a joke about not remembering the most famous podcaster's name, it's really not that funny. Well, perhaps for Jim Gaffigan, his talent level, it might be funny for him now.
3: This. So, all right. So, Sam bankman Freed.
4: just got off of all charges. Off of <laughs> all charges. That's totally not corrupt. No, by the but, way, he deserves to be free. You think he deserves yeah, to be free? Yeah, go back to doing meth and hanging out with that that little floozy in that house that you had with forty other people and banging each other.
0: The girl who looked like Milhouse from The Simpsons, and she, of course, you know, as soon as things times got tough, she turned over. I uh, mean, metaphorically, and gave him up to the government entities and ratted him out
3: occasionally when he would when he would be in court in a suit i would be like oh that's so cute he's got a suit on <laughs> it's kind of like you know a boy at a bar
4: mitzvah right. His confirmation right <laughs> just like ah, oh, look at him in a suit <laughs> like a real man but all right let me ask you this feds drop campaign contributions charge against sam bankman fried but is that all his charges about everything are there other charges that are still available or is he a free man now I think they said he had to get a haircut, which is really weird. (laughs) Okay, federal prosecutors are dropping campaign finance violation charges against alleged crypto crook Sam Bankman-Fried over a legal snafu in his extradition from the Bahamas to the U.S. Still faces 12 other charges in the case. Five more of those counts are still in question because they were added after he was extradited it seems to me like the fix is in well let me ask you
3: this all right so a logical any comedian would look at that and go all right so somebody in the justice department was like he donated a lot to our people let's make this go away but here's here's a question i have so there is that uh there and there there that level of corruption but do you look at that level of corruption and see it as equal to what Trump has been repeatedly busted as? Do you see those as equal, or
0: out of nowhere, just everything is somehow correlated to Trump with Jim gafkin and his his brain is broken; it's like melted into nothingness.
3: Or do you see like um, that as because you know, like I I wonder if like to me it's like you know like like the indictments against trump i'm like it's gonna keep going right they're gonna there's gonna be
0: i think that's something that the left and the right can probably agree on the indictments will keep coming just a matter of are they legitimate and will they stick that's another thing you know himself and are they politically charged well can't help but notice he's got the the same things that he's done other politicians has done but they've not got prosecuted at all
3: more things whereas like this is Vague corruption. I'm not justifying it, but
0: it's pretty precise what Sam Brinkman freed did.
3: But like, I feel like some people see this as totally equal. <laughs> you think
4: both sides are equally bad? It's that, that, that you would have to go over the case, right? Because the way it's been described to me, and the way the seat. C-
0: and fun the fact: This is a YouTube video on Powerful JRE, which is Joe Rogan's channel, and the top comment, or t- actually two of the top comments. The first one has 1.7 thousand likes and that says, quote, I love how Jim's argument is essentially, I know nothing, but Trump is bad, right? Unquote. Now, the second most popular comment of 2,765 comments is, quote, Jim's IQ is whatever CNN tells him, unquote. That subsequently got 1.1 thousand likes. So, at least there's some people in the comments who have a modicum of intelligence. A little faith in humanity is restored. Perhaps just a bit.
4: CEO was looking at it he was saying that this is fraud this is like straight out fraud it's financial fraud and they were they were taking a clients money and using it in a way that they were not supposed to they were funneling it off to Almeida. he was
0: also a big red flag anytime anything whether it's a business a stock or whatever investment if they tell you they're gonna have guaranteed returns that's got that's just red flag number one nothing in life is guaranteed except taxes and death for most people. But that's another thing with FTX. Everyone was saying, I believe they actually had allegations of guaranteed returns, which, again, isn't possible because you can't guarantee everything in life.
4: Not being honest about his connections to that. I don't know all the absolute specifics of the case, but the way it's been described to me is that. There is not enough regulation in cryptocurrency, and that these people are allowed to do some really shady shit, and that these people took it to the the uh, to the far end of this. Right. And you know they were making insane amounts of money, and they were doing amphetamines, and they were hanging out and having this polyamorous lifestyle with these bunch of super nerds. But you shouldn't. Each other. Go, you shouldn't go to jail for that. Not yet. Not for, for banging what? each other.
0: You, you shouldn't go to jail for defrauding millions by millions by millions of people from stealing from them. You, sh- you shouldn't go to jail for that? Did, did Jim not know? Well, I was going to say, does he not know laws? But we have to remember, he is lower, perhaps, on the evolutionary pole than most of us in terms of his intelligence.
4: No, I think that's fine. I'm, right. I'm happy that they get to live like that. Like it's these yeah. socially awkward weirdos, all of a sudden they're super rich. If right. they were doing it above, ball, above ground, rather, everything was cool, I would be celebrating them. I'd be like, yay, look at these. They won. Yeah. But a lot of people lost a lot of money and you know there was it, some... it
0: is fascinating to see how many brainless i mean celebrities actually endorsed ftx and were paid millions of dollars to tell people this is a great opportunity you need to get in on this yeah not so much which is again why i'm especially pessimistic when it comes to any celebrity endorsement especially when it's not in their purview like tom brady telling me about ftx is the dumbest endorsement ever he throws sports balls for a living if he was recommending a new brand of pigskin for a sports ball that's slightly more aerodynamic or something, that would make sense. His job is to throw sports balls. Or football, if you want to get technical. But all these celebrities are going, to, oh yeah, FTX is great. You had to say the thing with Larry David, one of the best comedians in history. Even he did a commercial for FDX. Many celebrities did this.
4: Also, they were, they were being exposed by competitors by binance and then it turns out that binance is fucked too and, yeah. and they're up their ass with a microscope and they might have all sorts of problems with fraud and all sorts of other things that are being lobbied against them or, or, or leveled against them i don't know you know it's it's a lot of complicated financial stuff that's outside of my realm of understanding
3: yeah it, it is interesting because the Basic premise again. I know nothing about crypto.
0: Oh, he, I was gonna say he was accurate He's just he just stopped and said I know nothing because that at least he'd be honest
3: But isn't the basic premise of crypto is like there's no regulations. That's yeah This currency is outside of it's not tied to the dollar. It's you know, it's uh, you know, uh, it's there's an independence there whereas so you can't compare that to martha stewart going to jail for insider trading
4: yeah
0: well he had one thing right yeah those are different charges as well she was insider trading
4: i I mean the martha stewart thing is interesting because
0: and remember you can only do that if you're part of the government nancy Pelosi is the most successful stock trader in history or her husband coincidentally better than warren buffett who again he's most successful legitimate trader in history They call him the Oracle of Omaha, famously being headquartered over in Omaha, Nebraska.
4: Congress does what she did all the time. I mean, they get access to information. Oh yeah, they that happened during the the pandemic. Yeah, tons of times. I mean, and it's not just a Democrat thing. Everybody points to Nancy Pelosi. It's a Republican. It's like literally.
0: And it's legal for them to do it. That's the astonishing thing. If a CEO does that, or if you and I do that, it's jail time. But not for them.
4: 100 percent black and white i mean excuse me red and blue it's like yeah. across the board yeah they're all doing it and it's just something that i think everyone does that's there they they understand like bills that are going to be passed and then they immediately start buying stocks and they've always done that and it's yeah. one of the reasons why they want to be congressmen in the first place and they have it's, access to that it's one of the
3: reasons why they go in uh, with a certain income and
4: leave millionaires, <laughs> just not just millionaires, like insanely rich, hundreds of millions of dollars
0: for uh, you know. Si- and I believe their income is quote unquote only. I say only because it's more money than people can possibly fathom. In many cases, about two hundred fifty thousand dollars per year plus unbelievable health care benefits. I'd love to see what kind of supplements they're taking to live to be ninety plus years old and still somehow in the same job and still alive. Although cognitively speaking, that's a topic in and of itself for another time.
4: Six-figure salaries. Oh yeah. Yeah. Look, Nancy Pelosi is a better stock trader than both Warren Buffett and George Soros. Her her husband is uh, an investment guy. Right? Yeah, right, right, so That's guy. Well, he is when he works with her. Right. Like she knows things. He bets. He you know he he places the the stock options and whee!
3: Right, and it's but that's also I mean I remember like. The, all the the senators that pulled out right like Richard Byrd and Kelly Loeffler and all these guys right when the pandemic uh, and they 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 removed, they sold their stocks and then they said everything's fine right so it's like some of it is selling stocks it's not necessarily even buying anything.
0: sure uh, does he not know how stock uh, how trading stocks works yes that's when you make a profit is when you sell it that's when you enrich yourselves your net worth, sure, but that might go up if you buy the stocks, but it's when you sell it, that's when you're really getting the cash and money. Yeah. So It's like he's learning this from the first time.
4: But, yeah. But it's having information that would allow you to make an, not just an educated guess, but you know what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen, and you know that because of these decisions that are being passed that these companies are going to become far more valuable because they've got certain deals, and then you bet on that, and that's what it is. It's, it's insider trading. We all know it is.
0: Now, the whole interview is, I think, well over an hour, so I won't dive into the whole thing. I recommend you taking a look at it. But it's fascinating to see culturally those two clips in particular just going viral on social media as everyone is highly entertained by Jim Gafkin basically being an NPC, which I did a little research. The youth, uh, they refer to an NPC as a non-playable character and it is a slang term used by millennials to denote people who act as if they are being told by someone to act in a specific manner Although, that may not always be the case. So, I learned a little bit something thanks to the Urban Dictionary. And now we all have learned today. Now, other interesting cultural news. You have a trans rugby player hurting women. And this person put three women in the hospital. They had to leave on stretchers in one game. Uh, Perhaps that is his personal best. Now, it looks like the teammates actually, some people actually call the police because, you know, a biological man is being the shit out of women, but they're actually on a sporting team. And of course the police did nothing. This is also occurring in Canada. So this morally vacuous person, I mean, um, player is known by Ash Davis. And this is a great independent reporting by an outlet called rebel news, Canada. And the whole one whole interview or the whole segment is about 21 minutes long. So I recommend you taking it out or uh, a look at it. But I think the preview is a good summary of, the whole
4: interaction. Yeah, 34, 21. Uh, uh, uh,
2: Mr. Davis. <laughs>
0: so you just had, I believe five or six women jump up to grab the ball for the rugby. They came down and this player, and we don't know his pronouns so we can say whatever we think they are. And apparently this video won't get removed, maybe. But he goes up to him and just effortlessly pushes them all off to, in order to get the ball. It's not even an effort on his part because his legs are the size of some of their torsos, perhaps. They're lumberjack legs because they're biological man legs.
4: (laughs) Why are you doing this? I'm David Menzies.
0: And this person, in terms of the trans debate, many people have different philosophies and ideals on where they should play in sports if they take in either estrogen supplements, they've gotten surgeries. As far as we can tell... This person has male pattern baldness, so still the hair of a male. Uh, Adam's apple, strength in the, leg, the legs, and according to the, some people are saying this person didn't have the bottom surgery, which to some activists, they see that as a kind of crossover into the new category. But it looks like this person just literally just put on a jersey and said, yep, uh, I'm going to go compete with women.
1: This is Rebel uh, News. Uh, no, you're not really uh, a... P-
0: Jacked biceps by the by the way part of this
1: we're human rights.
3: What about the human rights human of biological rights.
0: women although this looks like a boy but nevertheless this is one of the probably female teammates and she's yelling human rights and the reporter is asking of course well what about the biological women who are infinitely smaller physically and they have a physical disadvantage what about what about don't they have rights to compete
4: being injured been by this but you
0: also see this from people who are not just morally, but mentally vacuous of most thoughts. They don't really have independent thoughts and ideals. They just spew whatever talking points they've been told. You see this on the left and the right, politically speaking. But this person's just, they're not answering the questions, which of course is another telltale sign that someone has very low intelligence. They just spew political talking points. So he's, he's asking the question, tell me why this is fair in your mind. Why do you not have an issue with this particular thing?
4: As a mother, why would you expose your uh, kids to because a man? that is my partner.
0: Oh, that's a big, presumably lady. So wait, she's saying that's her partner.
1: That, that is my wife. That you are.
4: I'm huh? so He's a lesbian. So it's not a sport, or it's not. It's not an issue.
1: I'm a
0: registered social worker, sir, and I demand oh. human rights for everybody. Oh, geez, these women—they—they they always look scary as as. Probably you would expect. Now,
4: oh, it's just... yeah, a biological female. How do you feel about a biological male playing in rugby, man?
0: Thank you. I don't really give a f- f- about it. Really? Okay.
4: I don't know what is a crime anymore.
2: Mm.
4: Well,
0: exactly.
2: We all ask ourselves that, right?
0: <laughs> so now there is another issue in terms of consent and competing. It looks like some of the ladies on the team don't care, and unlike the MMA. Cultural significant issue where you had a man not tell anyone he was a woman and compete and women and beat the crap out of them in mixed martial arts, there's a big backlash in that because no one knew. And that's also known as lying, because you have a huge advantage. This the amount of people I see that are morally vacuous and also intelligence-wise as well, vacuous, is astonishingly increasing throughout the years, unfortunately. Now, in this case, some of the women do understand. If they all understand that's their choice, but you can see right next to her is, is an awkward-looking teammate who probably is scared to death of saying anything. You saw this with Riley Gaines in the United States with uh, collegiate swimming, where he had Riley Gaines come out proudly and say that she was against Ryan Long or Ryan Thomas. Leia Thomas now I believe is a man who didn't tran- didn't take any drugs or supplements, but he was the 450th best swimmer in the United States, then joined the women's team and became number one, and. In a documentary, they actually interviewed some of the gals from that swimming team. And they were petrified. Because, of course, if they were to say anything, they would be, be socially ostracized on a college campus. They would be, in some cases, she's actually, Miley Games were taken hostage by a mob of people. That's the kind of backlash they would get. So I wouldn't be surprised if some of these gals are just, they're scared for their life to say anything contradictory. And the rugby, of, the rugby team of Ontario... They actually issued a gag order for the gals on the team, so they can't talk to media about this issue. And specifically, they asked, quote, if you, are not, if you are contacted by anyone in the community or in the media, please do not engage by offering any opinion or comment on the situation, unquote. Which, again, Canada also doesn't have free speech to begin with, so I'm not surprised they want to limit it even more. But this does, does, do most people, do they think this is fair? In terms of culturally significance, I think you will probably see a shift in the United States where I think a growing popular stance would be to have a third category so that group of people can still compete, but everyone's on the same playing field in terms of biological background, supplements that they're taking. So perhaps in the future, you will have a female, a male, and a transgender uh, sporting team class. Now, whether that class will ever be profitable, I'm highly skeptical in terms of you need a pretty big audience to watch these sporting leagues. That's why, for example, women's athletics, historically, they, they're not actually a good fiscal endeavors. Fiscal being, you know, fiscally money speaking. Like the WNBA makes a fraction of what the NBA does, and they, they say it's because of sexism. It, it's not. It's just because it's based on the number of people who tune in and spend money on merchandise and attending the games. It's one of those things where you need a big audience. And whichever one gains the most, audience gets the most amount of money. Just simple economics. So it'll be interesting to see what evolves from here, but this has been making the rounds in terms of social media in the United States. There's a lot of people talking about it, and a lot of people are just saying this doesn't seem fair. It'll be interesting to see, does this shift the sporting discussion a little bit more, or what happens from here? As I say, time shall tell. Now, going over to the political part of the podcast, you have Trump beating DeSantis by 37 points, which is also known as astronomical. To have that much of a lead in any political poll, that's ridiculously good. Although, you could also say it's not that big because Ron Santos has been shooting himself in the foot multiple times, which certainly helps Trump because, obviously, making yourself look bad is not going to be good for you. So, it looks like this is a poll, a poll done on Wednesday in which 54% of the likely voters said that they are most likely support Trump. The following candidate, they, they said they are most likely to support for the Republican candidacy was Ron DeSantis at 17%, then he is followed by former Vice President Mike Pence, then by Tim Scott, and then former UN ambassador to the United Nations, as well as Diet Hillary Clinton, known as Nikki Haley, each coming in at 3%. So the discrepancy between the candidates is quite big in this particular poll. Um, Fascinating that Vivek Ramaswamy wasn't on this poll as well. In terms of other polls, I've seen he's been increasing the amount of support for him. And in terms of campaigning, he's done a lot... I think he's done a lot better job in terms of articulating his ideals, and more importantly, how he will achieve his goals, which may few, very few candidates left and right actually do. They usually just kind of say cliche things like, America's great, or if you're maybe on the right, Republicans are evil, which I, I just summed, I, I probably just summarized 90% of political messaging you've seen in the past 5-10 years, which also so, shows how perhaps little creativity it takes to make a political ad But I digress, back to the point. Now, this specific poll surveyed 1,329 registered voters across the United States from July 23rd to July 27th. It included a oversample of 818 registered Republicans. And they say that the margin of error is plus or minus 3.67 percentage points for registered voters and plus minus 3.96 percentage points for likely voters in the Republican primary. So in terms of a user base, it's not the largest poll bar, bar any means. That's hardly anyone when you consider the sample size of the United States. They also didn't actually dive into the geographic, which of course, geographically, people vote differently based on where they live. And if you're in Florida, the odds are you're probably getting a little bit a lot more votes for Trump and Ron DeSantis as they both have residency there. But it's interesting to see Trump is beating DeSantis by so much. Even his Rand DeSantis 10s or, or he says he has a 2.0 campaign where he laid off about a third of his campaign staff, which I would argue is not enough with how many How many people are just doing a terrible job on that end? But he's also switching his tactics for doing less political campaigning in terms of end user and meeting prospective voters with the big rallies and more focusing on the dinner parties where you're spending $2,000 plus for a plate of mediocre fish. Or if you're lucky, perhaps a steak. That is a very popular way to raise funds for campaigning, which is an important part because they buy commercials, airtime, and all that kind of stuff. But I'm not too surprised to see that big gap just widen as Trump continues to get more popular, and DeSantis continues to struggle. Again, he's had a great run in terms of, politically speaking, being the governor of Florida. Businesses are thriving. People are moving there. A lot of people appreciate him taking on cultural issues, such as protecting young students from sexual indoctrination and themes, where he passed a bill that says you can't talk to kids about sex if they're, I believe, from kindergarten to third grade, which, again, for the record, he actually covers all types of sexual orientations. There's nothing in the bill that says gay as people pejoratively called the bill the do a gay bill including Walt, the disney company as they brilliantly decided to get involved in politics now the bill actually just said if they're under that age you can't talk about them anything regarding sex which is fascinating to see how many how many how many just adults are desperate to talk to kids about sex when they're in kindergarten i don't know what's wrong with those adults well many people can speculate what's wrong with them there's a lot of things actually but that should be i would think people on the left and the right would all come together and go, why Why does a first grader need to be uh, told about sexual themes? Uh, is there is there any legitimate reason for that? Which the answer, presumably, obviously is no. Th- there is no reason. They don't need to know anything about sex, straight, gay, whatever kind of orientation. That's not in their purview. There is such a, th- there is such a thing still as child-appropriate, and there's a time and place for everything. And that, of course, is not child-appropriate topics for that age. But that's just my three cents. It used to be two cents, but... Forty-year-high inflation. Got to increase that cost. So you know, it's my thoughts are three cents today. Should be four, but I'm a generous man. I only charge three. But if you click that subscribe button, greatly appreciate. Trying to get to three thousand subscribers by the end of August. Greatly appreciate your support. Now it'll be interesting to see. Will Trump? Does Trump have it in him to keep going that, with that momentum? He's already got the biggest gain. I think strategically speaking, it's going to be really important who he chooses for his running mate. The Democratic Party. They have a couple of people that are shooting up you have Robert F. Kennedy, RFK is getting censored partially because he's getting a lot of support from the left and the middle, which, politically speaking, that's the focus that most people, politically speaking, need to focus on with the magnifying glass is people in the middle, the people who feel disenfranchised because uh, one of my favorite pejorative terms or pejorative sayings about politics is people on the left are running off a cliff and people on the right are just walking off the cliff. So it's kind of, um, you don't have, People always say you don't have much of a choice. Obviously, there's a third-party candidate, which I recommend depending on your political affiliations and your beliefs. But he's garnering a lot of support that could bleed votes away from Biden. And again, depending on how many votes are moving around, that could be a good opportunity for Trump, who many see as very politically charged on the right side of the political aisle. If he had something like Robert F. Kennedy to balance him, that might be a way to get the people who will always vote for Trump, you got the people who love him, he'll get those no matter what. But if you wants to expand in the middle, that might be a good idea. Now, keep in mind, a lot of people on the right would not appreciate RFK's former stances being anti-gun. And again, he's still a Democrat. And there's certain ideologies that are kind of de facto when you join that political party, just as there's de facto beliefs usually when you go on the right. Although people on the right, I would say, unfortunately, have a very bad track record for actually doing anything about those beliefs. But nevertheless, that might be an interesting use case to keep increasing that distance between him and the rest. Right now, in terms of the political primary, it seems like Trump's going to win a landslide with those. But as I always say, time shall tell. Now, going over to the business blunder of the day, you have yellow trucking shutting down, unfortunately. Now, this is actually one of America's largest and oldest trucking companies. They've been, been in business for 99 years. And unfortunately, it sounds like they're going to have to cut up to 33,000 jobs, of which 22,000 were members of the International Brotherhood of Teamsters Unions, which is usually a red flag when you you hear about businesses in trouble. unions, Unions are very, very expensive. And in terms of the end user experience or the customer experience, many would argue it's usually worse because unions reward tenure in terms of they reward you just working somewhere for a long time, not actually by good results. One of the most popular use cases being the automotive industry, I would say one of the reasons Tesla is so astronomically successful is they offer employees stock options, and if you have stock options, you have a vested interest in that company's success. Where I suppose if you're just making an hourly rate and you're in a union, you just want to work there for you know 10, 20 plus years, so you get you know best health benefits to life, you get guaranteed salary increases. The performance really isn't an issue. In fact, it's not even taken into account in some areas as well. Now it looks like the company is. This is coming as the closure comes amid talks to sell its logistics business in order to avoid bankruptcy altogether because they have an outstanding debt of $1.5 billion and a strike threat. So even through, and you shouldn't be, no one should be surprised to hear this, during the most troubling times of the company, they have a threat of a strike, which again would just hurt them even more, not propel the business in this case, especially, it could perhaps be the nail on the coffin that destroys the business. Now, it looks like a lot of people are expecting a, a bankruptcy filing to be coming soon, but the details are not disclosed regarding its assets as well. So again, it's, especially you're gonna have this transition period with technology in the trucking industry, especially as autonomous driving becomes a, it'll become much more viable. Again, it's, a lot of people say it's in beta mode right now. There are some very specific prototypes where they have successfully transacted or rather traversed semi-trucks across some areas of the United States using only a computerized truck and technology as it moves on it'll get better better over time eventually you won't have any human driving the vehicle that's going to disrupt a lot of trucking businesses especially as well as the independent owner operators who are the gentlemen who actually they buy the truck but there's you know they may, they basically want to be self-employed they buy the truck with their own money and they can work for any logistics company so it's a great entrepreneur path for them as well so we you get to see hopefully they're able to avoid bankruptcy i'm not sure how but hopefully at the end of the day, not too many jobs are displaced. And if they do go through the bankruptcy, I do hope they are able to all get jobs at another trucking company somewhere. But time shall tell. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. I really appreciate you taking the time to click that subscribe button. We're trying to get to 3,000 subscribers by the end of August. And we really appreciate it because obviously the more we grow and develop, the better the content will become and the production will become. Also, don't forget to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers. Heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone Just stay safe. And fight the good fight.